You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. Welcome to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cutt. I'm the music critic for the Chicago Tribune tonight on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim. I'm very excited that we're bringing back uh, Lonnie Rashid Lynn. That's Common, who we're talking about, one of the great voices in hip-hop. Um, he has graced us with his presence not only as an interview subject, but also with an incredible freestyle rap and improvisation. This is a gentleman who can actually rhyme DeRogatis. <laughs> And that's an impressive accomplishment. Plus, we've got some record reviews. A new one from Mission of Burma, Art Punk Legends. We've got news and a review about the Dixie Chicks and their new ones all over the news right now. We've got a unique perspective. But first, as always, we've got a couple of other stories to tell you about. Because you had a bad day. The cattle don't lie. You come back down and you really don't mind. You had a bad day. You had a bad day. That is an absolute nobody from Canada, <laughs> or he was, <laughs> at least until American Idol started uh, pushing the heck out of him. Daniel Powder, an artist, aspiring artist from uh, British Columbia, Canada, who uh, didn't have hardly any career at all until uh, the producers plopped him down on American Idol to sing this Bad Day song, which is now a huge hit thanks to that show, 14 weeks on the chart, which they play every time some schmuck loses. And it was a bad day for uh, Catherine McPhee, who came in second to uh, Taylor Hicks in this week's American Idol. But you know what? We don't care about Taylor Hicks or Catherine McPhee. Not as artists. Couldn't care less. What we do care about is the phenomenon of American Idol. Jim, love it or hate it, and I think I know where we stand on American Idol. It goes without saying. Along with a lot of the people who are listening to this show. I mean, why should we care about American Idol? Well, here's why. This is the biggest single entity in television as far as music sales. MTV, forget about it. Oprah is the only one that is in the same class in terms of moving records. And it's a huge franchise that's only getting bigger year to year. Scary enough, 33 million records have been uh, sold as a result of the show going on the air in 2002. You've got these superstars. I mean, you know, major, major performers. Stevie Wonder, Rod Stewart, Queen, Barry Manilow. People you wouldn't think needed to appear on a cheeseball show like this in order to generate sales or interest in their careers gladly showing up on this show and singing songs. Well, you've got Springsteen. I mean, they were, got they're Prince. former. They're former faded yeah. superstars. I mean, Springsteen and uh, Prince and Mary J. Blige are allowing these performers to perform their songs. They're basically saying, yeah, go ahead, cover my song, perform it on American Idol. I mean, what's going on here, Jim? I mean, we're talking about a phenomenon that is extending uh, beyond that cheeseball ghetto that it had been in five years ago to a point now where the mainstream record industry is saying, this is the 800-pound gorilla that we cannot no longer ignore. The sales effect that this show has on people like Stevie Wonder. I mean, his sales doubled yeah. the week after he went on American Idol. A, a Time to Love, the week before his appearance on Idol, was selling uh, 2,900 copies. The week after, 5,500 copies. Queen went from selling 6,000 copies of their Greatest Hits CD to 14,000. Greg, I think the other interesting thing about this is, as with all major multi-million dollar generating record industry phenomenon, this is a scam. 
because uh, if you look at yeah. – uh, you know, and this criticism I think has been far underplayed. I would love to see a quiz show style investigation into the connections between American Idol, its producers, and the Sony BMG corporate empire. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it, half of this season's big five cameos, you know, Shakira, Barry Manilow, the people who came on there and experienced this double or triple sales surge, they were all on the Sony BMG label. Which label has released most of the pretty much across-the-board awful CDs of the winners and the finalists? Well, that would be Sony BMG. You know, Funny so- how that works, huh? <laughs> So, you know, I don't know. Uh, is the fix in? An executive that was quoted in, I think it was an L.A. Times story, said, coincidence? Of course not. You know, obviously this guy knows the record industry. And you know what, Jim? I'm predicting we are maybe less than a year away from the moment we are going to see not only these old geezers up there on American Idol sort of uh, cashing in on the franchise, as it were, but I think we're uh, less than a year away from uh, bands like the Foo Fighters, you think the so? Killers, going on American Idol to pump their records because look at the sales effect that this show has. Artists like Green Day, Foo Fighters, I think they're looking at this show and going, hmm. Even a Green Day or a Foo Fighters who are, who are not averse to selling out to the highest bidder, I don't think anybody with any modicum of taste is ever going to appear on this show. Yeah, but who said the Foo Fighters had taste? <laughs> Speaking of the Foo Fighters, that's a little of their music from their last double album, because they're not good enough to contain the one in your honor. Uh, That was one of a number of best-selling CDs that were released by the Sony BMG corporate music empire. Some other contenders would include uh, Alicia Keys, Ray Charles, Frank Sinatra, Louis Armstrong. Sony put out as we've reported in the past, a whole batch of their most popular CDs impregnated with this pirating software known as XCP or MediaMax, which basically messed up your computer, that would not be the technical term, <laughs> but left it vulnerable to hackers and simultaneously allowed the corporation to track your personal listening habits. This is not nice. You paid 16 bucks <laughs> or something for a CD and they mess up your computer and spy on you. Uh, a federal judge on Monday granted final approval for the settlement. Sony is going to apologize to its consumers who filed a class action lawsuit. What the consumers get is a cash payment of, hold on to your hats, get ready to pay the mortgage, $7.50. Plus, they get to download one album from a selection of 200 titles, presumably many of the rotten ones that were impregnated with this software. I don't think that's much of a good deal. That's like half a CD. You know, $7.50? Yeah, well, you can't why, even buy well, a CD with you know, that You already bought the Foo Fighters once, and you get to download it again, and you get seven fifty. I wasn't very good at math, but 20 million CDs, uh, they, they said that 20 million CDs were sold, so mm-hmm. technically they owe... 20 million consumers, $7.50 each, correct? Yeah, but I, I suppose if you Isn't go that, through the reams of paperwork to apply for this. If everybody did that, that's like $1.5 billion. I mean, that's... Yeah, a- but I bet, <laughs> as I recall, you had to have kept your receipt, you know, 
and and all this stuff you have to prove that oh. you bought. You know, well, and there's I, always going to be a catch. But you know, we have been following, and we will continue to follow the record industry's ongoing war against its consumers in the realm of digital downloading. And uh, at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> the record industry is not faring very badly at all in the realm of digital downloading. It, it's amazing. EMI Group, one of the big four uh, music labels in the world, uh, dominating eighty percent of this uh, twelve billion dollar a year industry reported a tremendous first quarter in 2006. Profits rose 14% to 86.1 million pounds. That translates to $162 million in U.S. cash. And uh, digital sales, that uh, big bugaboo, you know, oh, we're, we're scared of the Internet. We hate people downloading our music. Increase of 135% in digital downloads for EMI music products. Um, 139% raise. amazing increase. I happen to know that the last raise that you and I both got from our (laughs) newspapers was in the 1% to 2% realm. I would kill for 139% raise. Yeah, so the music industry not doing so bad. A lot of the industry observers are saying that the EMI group stats for the first quarter are an indication that things are actually turning around for the music industry. So these guys are crying uh, that they are being ripped off and that they're going down the tubes because of the Internet. And here EMI is reporting these incredible sales increases. You know, I think they haven't got a leg to stand on. London, quite and then I need to make a sound. New York, quite and then I need to make a sound. That is the Sri Lankan-born, London-based rapper M.I.A., uh, a fine, fine artist with one of the records we really enjoyed last year. She's trying to come back to the United States, according to various reports on the Internet. MIA has not been allowed to get a U.S. visa, wanted to come to the States to record her next album with the great producer Timbaland, who you were talking about last week in relation to uh, Missy Elliott. Yeah. Uh, been rejected. So MIA can't leave England to come to the States, but Snoop Dogg can't leave America to go to England. Why? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, he got in this fracas at... Heathrow Airport, when uh, they wouldn't let him into the first-class lounge of British Airways. He was en route to a gig in South Africa with his posse, and uh, I don't know if he didn't have his membership card or what, but they wouldn't let him in, so he started a fight, wound up in jail, they bailed him out, now British Airways has banned him for life, and according to... To a couple of reports on the internet, he's now banned from England for life. You know, Robin Lynn, I think, had the best line about this. This is a bad deal for North America. There's no way we, we win out in that trade. <laughs> we keep we Snoop. We keep Snoop Dogg. We don't get MIA. Bad deal all Oh, around. man. We've got one more news item, which is actually about a record we're going to dive into as well. By the Dixie Chicks. That is the most unlikely group of rebels in America today, (laughs) the Dixie Chicks. Natalie Maine singing about uh, she's not ready to make nice. Um, (laughs) This group is on the cover of Time magazine this week. They have a new album out called Taking the Long Way that is getting a truckload of publicity already. Not only because they're one of the biggest-selling pop groups of all time, the biggest-selling female group ever with 30 million sales, but they have a huge controversy that is in their shadow. In March 2003, 10 days before the United States invaded Iraq, 
Uh, Natalie Maines, the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks, stood on a stage in London and said, just so you know, we're ashamed the president of the United States is from Texas. It cost the Dixie Chicks dearly. They received death threats. Their CDs were burned by protesters. Many country stations stopped playing their records, a first for the Dixie Chicks. They've been a uh, staple of country radio. It was an out-and-out, flat-out boycott that many of the radio chains were urging against Mm -hmm. the Dixie Chicks. And according to Billboard, Greg, that's continuing. The first two singles from this album have failed to crack the top 20 of the country charts, and they're about to drop out of the top 50. According to the Time Magazine article, there's a country radio programmer out there who's calling the single that they won't play. The one you just heard, not ready to make nice, a four-minute fu to the format and our listeners. I like the chicks, and I won't play it. Maine says she had initially apologized for disrespecting the office of the president a few years ago, but right. now she tells Time, "I don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel he has owed any respect whatsoever." I mean, these guys are shooting themselves in the foot as far as the hardcore country audience is concerned. Well, yeah, but. It's not a uh, outright outspoken political album. Not no, anything not at like all. Neil Young or Pearl Jam. No way. You know, the closest she gets in this song, Not Ready to Make Nice, is she says, How in the world can the words that I said send somebody so over the edge that they'd write me a letter saying, I better shut up and sing or my life will be over? Mm-hmm. Those are good questions. This right. is America. You're supposed to be able to speak your mind right. and not get death threats. Exactly. Point B about this new Dixie Chicks record is that it is not a straight-up country record. They have gone, Far from uh, you know, California rock in a big way. Rick Rubin is their producer, more noted for producing albums by the Beastie Boys and Slayer, yeah. uh, most notably with uh, Johnny Cash with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's paired them up with songwriters from the rock realm, people like uh, Dan Wilson of Semisonic, Gary Loris, formerly of the Jayhawks, Pete Yorn, Sheryl Crow. The band includes uh, Chad Smith, the drummer from the Chili Peppers, Mike Campbell and Ben Montench from the Heartbreakers. I mean, this is essentially a Southern California rock record as opposed to a straight-up Nashville country record. Oh, I don't know about that. Let's play a little of it, and then we'll come back with our reviews. The track you wanted to play kind of does illustrate that dichotomy. Starts with some banjo picking, shifts into a uh, Southern California peaceful, easy-feeling Eagles, Linda Ronstadt Mm -hmm. kind of vibe. It's called Lubbock or Leave It on Sound Opinions. Dixie Chicks from their new album, 
The song's called Lubbock or Leave It. Greg, for sure, that is the hardest rocking song on this record. The Dixie Chicks co-wrote all the songs with these other people, including Sheryl Crow. Apparently they got a big Minneapolis fetish. Uh, Gary Loris of the Jayhawks, like you said, Dan Wilson of Semisonic and Trip Shakespeare. I mean, whoever thought the Dixie Chicks would record with a veteran of Trip Shakespeare, <laughs> let alone Neil Finn of Crowded House. But there's not a lot of rock on this record. I don't believe this record strays all that far from the country sound, as mainstream country radio defines it now. You know, mainstream country radio has a lot of elements in those sounds today that aren't part of what we would call traditional country or certainly alternative country. Mm. Dixie Chicks have always had a lot of Southern California in them. I've always heard that Linda Ronstadt. You know, there's always been this pop, and there is this Nashville trend toward incredibly uh, glitzy, glossy, multi-tracked, frilly, schmaltzy productions. What Ruben has done is strip that back some. But the focus of this record remains three parts. You know, you got those soaring three-part harmonies, Natalie Maines out front and uh, Marty McGuire and her sister Emily Robeson adding the uh, country choir harmonies and you've got the back porch fiddle of Marty McGuire and that kind of banjo picking and the dobro and the guitar that Emily adds. It's still very country and not necessarily always in the good way. I would kill to hear a production like Nico Case, like Jenny Lewis oh, from the alternative sure. country end. I-, I wish they'd gone further away from Nashville mm-hmm. because there is a sort of slickness that permeates this. I wish that Ruben had used that Johnny Cash kind of approach of American recordings. Just the three women, you know? Also, I wish they had a little more of the courage of their convictions. It's all laid out in this song, I hope. I hope for more love, more joy, more laughter. It's still very mainstream country. You know, we want family, we want faith, we want love, we want patriotism. You're correct in saying that they didn't go far enough. I do hear this, though, as more of a country rock record than a straight-up country record. I think you nailed it earlier. Eagles is the reference point. I hear a lot of peaceful, easy feeling. I hear a lot of lion eyes. I hear the ballad side of the Eagles in this record. This is by no means a great record, but it is getting closer to where I think they eventually want to be. And I think the one key here is that Natalie Maines, I think, is a uh, a persuasive singer. Uh, she's one of the few genuine pop diva superstars out there who doesn't oversing. I think she sells it exactly right. She's got a great voice, a believable voice. I think when she really lays into a song like Voice Inside My Head, you know, I feel that's a classic Eagles-like melody there would have fit very well in one of those mid-70s, you know, California bars. And, 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 and that's not necessarily a bad thing. They do that kind of thing very well. They talk it right now better than they sing it. Their convictions come out in their interviews. They're not that experienced as songwriters. This well, is the first yeah. time they've written every song on the al- album, and it shows. You know, there's a song like Lullaby, which is, a, you know, a sweet idea. They're essentially singing to their seven children they yeah. have between them, mm-hmm. but it's just pure schmaltz and cheese. You yeah. know, it, it's worthy of American Idol, to right. go back one story. I don't know. On the patented sound opinions, buy it, burn it trash it rating scale. I mean, just for the angst that they have suffered, for no good reason whatsoever, I want to give it a buy it, but I cannot musically give it that endorsement. I have to say it's at best a burn it record. No, it's one of those records that I think uh, people who are interested in music at all, on any level, uh, should probably hear, just to get a taste of what's going on here. Once you hear it, you'll probably be convinced it's not all that remarkable. And for that reason, I have to give it a burn it. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. Send us an email at interact at soundopinions.org. And stay tuned because we've got Common next, live in the studio. Plus a review of the new album by Mission of Burma and my Desert Island Jukebox pick.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. Next up, we are live in the studio with the rapper Common, one of the leading voices in hip-hop over the last 15 years, emerged from the south side of Chicago, not exactly a rap haven in the early 90s, to become one of the leading voices in hip-hop, now on his sixth album, B, the bestseller of his career, and I think, Jim, his best album. You know, Greg, a lot of people still think that hip-hop is not an art form worthy of any other kind of rock music or any other musics we cover here on Sound Opinions. Common is going to do a performance that is going to blow your mind. You know, a five-minute freestyle rap. No notes, no cards, no warning. We just said, hey, we have some music, and he was off, running with his incredible Rhyming poetry for five minutes. It's like a jazz solo, like a saxophone taking off. One take, no overdubs. We had the Coltrane of hip-hop here <laughs> riffing for us. We are here with Lonnie Rashid Lynn, better known as Common in the rap world. Yes, yes, and it feels good to be at home, and I love, you know, that my hometown people can call me Lonnie Rashid Rash. It's all cool. What does well, your mom call you? She calls me Rashi. Hey, Rashi, come get this, you know. Come. Except when she's mad. <laughs> yeah. The only time I'm ever James is when my mom is pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your mom, a long, longtime educator on, yes. on the South Side, a famous woman in her own right. Yes, yes, she earned her own light and has done well with being a teacher and also a principal. She's been a part of the education and educating young children for a long time, and that's part of the reason I was very much into literary work and just I had to read and had to write because that's what she made me do. Does she ever go over your lyrics and say, you know, this line could have been better? <laughs> no, nah, she could, She goes over my songs, though, and says, uh, uh, that was all right, but you could come better. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye West is okay, but <laughs> yeah. Common's mom right, exactly. is a producer. Right, what, what's her favorite Common song, and what's the one that she's given you the most grief about? The Light has probably been her favorite Common song, you know, up to date. And I would have to say Retrospect for Life also. She really mm-hmm. dug that. Uh, I think the song she didn't like the most was recently was Go. Like, I guess it's hard for her to hear her son talking about sexual things, you know. I don't think that ever gets easier no matter yeah, no, how old no. you Mom are. No, no, mom doesn't want to hear that stuff from exactly, her Exactly, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> I'm married. My mom still wonders if I'm going to sleep with my wife when we visit, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that was a hard one for Go. I was in uh, Brooklyn when you were making the video for, for Go. And you were talking to me at that point about you're making this steamy video. Everybody was really enjoying it. And one of the things that you were talking about was, you know, I've got this daughter. I think she's, what, about eight years old now? Yeah, eight years old. And one of the things you said to me then was, I want to be able to make this video so that she'll be able to watch it and I'll be able to, I'll be able to watch it with her right. and not feel like I've done something that is beneath my dignity. So how do you feel that sort of, you know, you're walking a tightrope there trying to expand the definition of what common is, he's not just this backpack and socially conscious rapper all the time. He's got human feelings. Yeah, he has exactly. this diverse lifestyle. How did that work out, though, in terms of relating that side of you to your daughter? It worked out well, you know, because I also realized that I'm, a, I'm an adult. And, of course, my responsibility as a, as a musician is to be honest and be pure. But at the same token, I know my voice influences a lot. But... I won't go but so far. I mean, I can talk, you know, sexual things because I'm a sexual being too, you know. And I can talk, you know, and battle somebody because I'm a warrior also. But um, I'm fortunately there enough to be able to talk to my daughter about these songs. And and I don't put out as an artist things that I feel like that a child couldn't see. But I do understand and I come to the realization that, you know, when an adult makes certain things, 
everything is not going to be kid-friendly. But I guess the hard part is that every child doesn't have a parent there to explain to them what's going on. You know, I, I was around a friend of mine who takes her sons. She would take them to see City of God. But the fact that she's there to talk to them about it and discuss it with them, it's okay. I can understand it, why she can take him there, and he's mature enough to digest it at this point because he can discuss those things with his parents, and I'm there for my daughter to discuss it. But unfortunately, every child in the, in the street or even in the suburbs doesn't get the chance to talk these things over with their parents. So that's why I do feel a responsibility, and I didn't go too far with the video. I just kept it, you know, sexual and let it let it express what the song is about, but still to a point where it's not too far. We have so many things to talk to you about. We want to talk mm-hmm. about the children's books. I want to know about your hat line. How's it oh, doing? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's progressing. We, <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't got him out yet, but we work I want one. I want a, I want oh, a common yeah, you hat. Got, yeah, you go get one. It's, the, um, the name of the brand is Soji, and it, it's beautiful, classy things. So, Jim, you're a rocket. You and All Greg. Right. Could, Greg, <laughs> you wanna look, if you want to look cool, Greg, like I that. You know. I don't think I can look cool, common. It's impossible. <laughs> but uh, here you are talking about your daughter and about the challenges of being a parent, and you've you've wrapped about being a faithful husband by hip-hop standards you're old yeah 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 true indeed sixth album was b yeah six i'm working on the seventh and you know because hip-hop is so young we we haven't been able to see artists just mature and grow and, and watch our artists progress and get older and be able to still make music that's relevant and it's true to them it's funny my mother and i were at the grammys and we were watching and she said man you know in rock music they can Go to there like sixty years old. Why? Yeah. Well, you know, McCartney was there. Yeah, sixty five. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> she's like, "Yo, I mean," and I said, "My, they may hip hop may become like that. You know, it's just a younger art form right now. And you know, we do have some artists that can su- sustain the test of time. Like I think that we will be able to look back and see most deaf with albums ten years from now or, or Kanye because yeah. these are artists." That or myself, the, we are artists that take music and do other things with it. Like I can see myself on stage with an acoustic set, and you know, just doing something different, like a spoken word, and having background singers. I can see myself. I've performed in in jazz clubs, you know, at the Blue Note. For me, it's not limited just to the way people think hip hop is. I, I want to take it beyond, and that allows more life for it. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio, and we're here with Common. Common, we've got some instrumentals from your latest album, B. And I was wondering, um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but could you perform Testify from that record? Y'all want me to do a live version of oh, Testify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can get it off right now if we start it. She walked in the court, her knees buckled, saying for a man to survive, he need hustle. Seen and been through struggle her whole life, made a transition, being this hoe to his wife. Stifling. The night had been the ATF bust in. Her daddy was a hustler, so she lied him. Looked at the jury, how can they judge him? She screamed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yo, the people say. We say. Yes. Fearing a chest, a face with tears. Had a man's back, he was facing years. In her name, though the place was his, they tryna take everything except the kids. For years she been through scuffle and fights. He tryna hustle that white. She was up all night, wondering if he's alive. Seeing him try, she bubbled inside and screamed. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, sound up in you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. The judge yelled for order, court reporter making her words shorter. His lawyer sat next to him. She could see how the trial was affecting him. It hurt for her eyes to connect with him. Using her lies for protecting him, they arrested him for murder and gun possession. As they read back her confessions, she screamed. Ah, uh, yeah. The ladies say, yo, the fellas say. The court awaited as the foreman got the verdict from the bailiff. Emotional outbursts, tears, and smeared makeup. It stated he was guilty on all charges. She's shaking, looking like she took it the hardest. A spin artist, she brought her face up laughing. That's when the prosecutor realized what happened. All that speaking of mind, testifying and crying. When this bitch did the crime, the queen pen. The people say, yo, the ladies say, uh. Yo, the fellas say, sound opinion say, uh, yo, the yo, yo, testify, y'all. Jim Derrigatis, Greg Cott, we do it live in the spot. Sound opinion, uh, it's common sense, y'all. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. Common live in the studio. Yes, sir. Yes, Sound sir. Opinions. Boy, that's as good as it gets. Common. Give thanks. Give thanks. I, I can retire now. Ah, <laughs> but yo, we go come in with the band one time too. You know, I feel good about doing my shows now because I have my DJ and it feels a raw essence. But then I have a, a slight amount of instrumentation, which takes it yeah. to the next level. You well, know? it was magic when you used to tour with that. Was it ten or eleven pieces? Yeah, a black, yeah. a yeah. black girl called Becky. Yes, because so named because. There are no black Beckys. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, so you got to get that back again. So you like you like it with the full band, right? Hell yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Well, you can improv. The thing is, you're like a... I, I love the jazz side that you have to you. you. You're able to improv, you know, with a band kicking behind you. Yeah. That's, that's when the magic is happening. That's like... And then, you know, some... 50-year-old guy can come in there and appreciate it, too, because it's like, oh, I see this. This is jazz. You yeah, know? exactly. And you're exactly. you're showing the line all straight back and just bringing it forward. Yeah, that's what I can say about this thing. It's like a universal, unspoken connection. That track that you just played, with amazing video, dramatic. And I remember when you first played that track, it was just like, wow, that's, that's a new area for you. It yeah. just felt like, you know, you were creating this dr- dramatic situation. Tell us where that track began. Well, it began with, with Kanye cooking it up in the studio. He made it, and as soon as I heard it, I was like, ah, oh, I could tell this good story to this. What's the sample, Common? It's a sample from this group called Honeycomb. Mm-hmm. We actually had the the actual sister who sang it during those days um, from the group Honeycomb. She was in the video, but the sample came from Honeycomb, and once Kanye had made it, I felt so good, like, because I felt like just this narrator being able to narrate a film, you know. So and, he has the music, and it's a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to put on it. I don't know what I'm going to put on it. It just was, like, the music, music can take me somewhere, you know. It's like, it's such a release for me. It's such, like, part of the way I breathe is just through music. I love it, you know, and it's just heaven. When, when we create music and it's good, you're having the best days of your life. One of the engineers who saw you making that track with Kanye was telling me 
that it was amazing to watch you work on that because that is not like a conventional hip-hop groove on that yeah. track. Yeah. And it was kind of a little off. He yeah. said, man, it, what's he going to do over that? Yeah. So what did you, was it like the jazz thing, the, the jazz side of it, or just the unconventionality of the rhythm that kind of appealed yeah. to you? I think it was the rhythm just... The rhythm brought something different to me. Initially, I was doing that song, whispering it like she walked in the court and her knees buckled. But it didn't mm. convey all the way the way I wanted it to, you know, vocally. So I went through a long process of getting the vocals the way I wanted them because the track already had such such a personality to it. And with the vocal going all the way through, which Kanye is good at, like with Gold Digger, he can keep a vocal in there and still be rhyming over it, you know, and... I had to find a place where I felt good as an instrument doing that. And I eventually, I remember a day where I was laying it over and over. I left the studio and was like, man, am I going to do this song or not? And because people was doubting it. And then I went back to the studio that day and was like, I'm going to do it. And I came in and it grew a little bit. And then just one day I caught the vibe and knew how to, how to deliver it. And it just came. And the woman whose story you tell so vividly and from your heart in, in Testify, did you have that story in advance, or was it something about the combination of the groove and the honeycomb sample that Kanye presented to you that inspired the story? Yeah, yeah I think the, the groove definitely inspired the story. And uh, I was thinking usual suspects when I was, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, like I, want, I want to take you all the way there, and at the end you're like, oh, okay. And that's why, you know, with the video we wanted to give that visual too. Yeah, but see, that's where you know we could have had ten good rappers hear that empty track that that Kanye and I don't think anybody else would have taken it where you took it, yeah, Tom. Yeah. And that's the that's what was magic about this collaboration. You know, that's something I do love about working with with Kanye is just he will give you music that takes you somewhere else. And I mean, I gotta say that I gotta attribute that too to to Jay Dilla and Questlove working with them. But one thing about producing with Kanye is that he will not only allow you, you know, or say, let's take it somewhere else, but he will be there to try to make sure it's, like, done till the end, guide you, mm. and, like, be there, like, uh, maybe you should shorten this verse and do that, which is a great way to collaborate, you know, with somebody that you trust. We're talking to uh, Common here on Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. One of our all-time favorite guests and common. It's an honor whenever you come and Good visit thanks. us. Here. Good, thanks. J.D., Dilla, James Yancey, incredible producer, uh, worked quite a bit with you, uh, crafted your biggest hit, The Light, on, yes. on, and a lot of like Water for Chocolate, was your roommate in L.A. when you were out there, and he died just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, how, did, how did that hit you, and, and how did you learn about it? Well, it, was, it was very painful and life-changing and you know, you just sometimes don't believe it happened. And, you know, it's just one of those moments in life where you're like, man, this is this is for real, you know. Because you really, I really have a great connection with J.D. as a, as a human being, as a person, and as a spirit. And just the musical connection was just so, so great, too. And just seeing that young brother, you know, somebody just be so great at what they do. And you really feel like, man, he has so much more in him. But... It was it was painful, but I also came into an understanding that that's the flow of life, and when and when God calls you, it's, it's time. So we celebrated at his memorial service, and his mom and everything who had lived with us for a while was just there. We were listening to music, and a lot of people that just loved him, from whether it was Questlove and Q-Tip to just JD's daughter being there. Um, as we went to the to the um, cemetery. 
I, I sat and looked at all the musicians around, and I really realized that this guy will go down as in in this today's music is one of the the cold chains of our time. You know, mm-hmm. though, you know, it hasn't been popular. Like he isn't the most popular. Well, so he's, many, he's like you. Yeah. You know, because Questlove talked a lot about working on like Water for Chocolate, and Greg and I, even having written so much about that album, having talked to you so much, you know. We didn't even realize. Actually, you know, J.D. was the main producer on many of those tracks. Amir yes. was in the – Questlove was in the studio playing drums and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's like you. He didn't blow his own horn, and yet this incredible work behind the scenes that he often didn't get credit for. Yeah, this dude, I mean, like his list goes on from Light Water for Chocolate and producing The Light to producing um Vibrant Thing for Q-Tip. And at his memorial service, we had the MPC there. We had his – the little licorice candy he used to eat all the time, this brush that he always would brush the the beat machine off with before he uh <laughs> so it was like really characteristic of him. Tom, and I know your mom is waiting for you downstairs, <laughs> sitting in the car, but we have some Dilla instrumentals here. Would you be willing to do a freestyle for us over these tracks uh, that your former roommate and friend uh, had recorded? Yeah, I'd do a freestyle for you. All right. I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't no, want to, no, but, no, but no. I mean, yeah, let's, let's pay James some tribute. Yeah, okay, I'm with it. You guys can do that, right? One, two, one, two. Yes. God bless, huh? Yo, once again, it's common sense. I get to beginning. Come to rock it when I come to the sound opinion. You know how we do. I came to rock this. In the place with Greg Codd and Jim Derogatis. Yo, it's like the one that I can tell you I can spot this. They say I'm from the cold city, but I'm the hottest. And they be saying, yeah. Ladies say, yeah. They be saying, calm, yo, the boy ain't got no hair, but it's all good. Cause he coming off the head. Working on it, making them people, they turning red. And some people turning black and blue. Yo, I'm rapping through all type of wars. Coming hardcore. Opening them doors. Opening the pores. So you can keep sweating black sweat. The black threats that come down. Understand how to rap sun sound. Coming straight through Shot Town. And th- from the sun times to the Tribune. Kyle sense a get room. And this is what I do when I live. Boom and zoom in on a different picture. Sometimes I read the scripture. Yo, I had to get with ya. My brother Jim and the brother named Greg. I used to party on the 7 with a keg drinking beer. But now I'm here up in your ear ready to appear. Coming step to the rear if you ain't with it. Kyle sense I'm thinking something vivid. I came to live it and relive it the rebirth i see worth and see different things common sense so i'm gifted even i can sing make a song making it strong i take it around you should understand i did sold by the pound 12 years ago now i'm still lyrical mixing raw stuff with the spiritual you can hear it though from my man jay dilla i stay realer than um time will be and my mind will be something that they climb and see at different type of mountains for the youth i'm the fountain don't put me on no broke back mountain I ain't the type, but still I still stay right I ain't trying to be homophobic I'm just the type to let you know what I go with I'm a poet, a poet like Langston Hughes or Richard Wright This is what I'm giving y'all on this night It be the type of brother that can still invite you to open it Stay focused, it's the brother Common sense, kick it with the brothers and folks It's just from the south side Where we be outside with our hats cocked to the left Common sense, yo, remind you of Seth 
Yo, this is how I go with a different type of flow. When it comes to Chicago, yo, I'm like Jordan, very important. People keep scoring, never snowing on this style. Never sleep on the city. We got Lupe Fiasco and Rhyme Fest. My mind test, cause I rhyme fresh. This is what I'm telling y'all, times my test. I stood that, and you should understand why I'm still cooking hood raps. Cause I go back to the street of Stony Island. Think about my mother, and sometimes how the shorties be wildin'. And we came to teach, came to reach out. For those who never been exposed and never been out of the go, I still flow. Let them know that they can grow and still do a show. Let's go, uh, uh, let's go. Yeah, yeah. We keep it going like this, y'all. Yeah, we keep it going like this, y'all. I came to shine like a star. I can take it far. Even keep rhyming while my mother's in the car waiting down under the garage. This is like the, I'm like a mason with my own lodge. Yo, you think about, yo, I master my style like Farad. From the nation of Islam, it's calm, no, coming straight through. And you should understand, I don't hate you. I bring the love for people who understood the light. And this is what I'm doing and just pursuing different type of goals. It's the soul that we talk about in songs. The soul that's too black and too strong. Sort of like my man Chuck D. Yo, you can't up me. I ain't gonna curse. I'm just gonna kick a verse. I used to be a con with the verse. Now I just got it expounded. Got lawyers and all type of things. I'm the builder and destroyer. Yo, I got dreams. Dreams for my daughter. So I'm putting it in order. This is what I'm telling y'all. I usually drink water. Drink a little red wine. Come off the head. Mine's is the shine that comes down like the sun times. What can I do? Follow me like one time. I've been unsigned and signed again. It's the C to the O, double M-O-N. Set a trend like the motor. Turn it over like a new leaf. When it comes to styles, I'm the Indian, the new chief. You should understand. Check it out. You want relief? Then quit eating that beef. Quit eating the pork. But I ain't trying to preach. I'm just trying to talk to my people. My mic and your mic. Come on, yo, no equal. If you understand that, you understand. Rap and understand what happened in the constant snap and jap out. I clap out with different type of rhymes. Yeah, as the beat change, I find a new type of rhythm while I give them something for the knowledge and the wisdom. I hit them. Yeah, my man JD did this. This type of beats to come down sound and crisp. Chris, like the dollars that you want to count. Yo, understand I got rhymes in many amounts. You should understand for the truth. For the youth, I'm the fountain. So you can keep counting your dollars. I'ma make these shorties scholars when I talk about I make them wanna holler, sorta like Marvin did. Yo, I see them starving kids on 57 and Inglewood. Yo, they said my single's good with the corner, the last poets. But we go keep flowing with different type of things I gotta show it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my God, that's amazing. We gotta tell people what... That what we had some Jay Dilla, James Yancey, your friend, your yeah. your your brother, just died, and we had some of his tracks there. Throws you at those blind, and everything you just did, you just made up on the spot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what hip hop is about. That's hot improv. damn, common. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> now I don't want to invoke the wrath of your mother. We're gonna let you go, but I want to say it was a real treat having you here to talk to us. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Common. Thanks for having me. More to come on Sound Opinions, a review of the new album by Mission of Burma and a Desert Island Jukebox pick.
That is Mission of Burma, one of the very best bands ever out of Boston, with a new album, The Obliterati, and a song called Nancy Reagan's Head. <laughs> what oh. is it, Nancy Reagan's Head? I have no idea. Mission of Burma's always been kind of oblique, lyrically. Yes. I don't want to talk about Nancy Reagan's Head, but I do want to talk about this album, Mission of Burma, The Obliterati. It's only their third album in a career that dates back to 1979. From 79 through 83... This quartet was one of the very best bands in the post-punk landscape of North America, touring the country along with early pioneers in that art form like Husker Du, Sonic Youth, broke up before their time, mainly because the guitarist in the band, Roger Miller, suffered from hearing loss. He had tinnitus, and the band played so loudly that his ears couldn't bear it anymore. In that time, they were only able to make one album called Versus, but it was a landmark. ended up influencing countless bands, people like Moby, R.E.M., Blur, all paying homage to Mission of Burma in subsequent decades. The individual members of Mission of Burma all went on to solo careers. But finally, getting back together and doing what they do best in 2002, without one other original member in the group, Martin Swope, who used to stand behind the mixing board and subvert the bass, guitar, drums, instrumentals with tape loops and various noises and effects. That was uh, an interesting role, very much yeah. modeled on what Brian Eno did mm-hmm. on the first two Roxy Music albums and what Alan Ravenstein did on Perubu, right. both bands that influenced Mission Burma quite a bit. Yeah, it was a pioneering sound. Uh, taking that role was Bob Weston, Chicago-based engineer. They came back strong in 2002, Jim. I have yet to hear a comeback record as successfully accomplished as On, Off, On, Very rare to see a band come back 20 years later and make a record that good. It ended up in my top 10 that year. And the Obliterati is the new record. So now in their second incarnation, they've already doubled their (laughs) album output from their uh, famed first incarnation. Well, let's hear something, Greg, and get into our opinions. This is the opening track. It's called Twice. What you're going to hear at first is Peter Prescott hammering away at the drums. This is a lead drummer, very much in the mold of Keith Moon. And then the rest of the boys come in on sound opinions. Oh man, that's the opening track from Mission of Burma's third studio album, The Obliterati. It's called Twice. Greg, what you hear there is an anthem that is very nearly in the same category as Mission of Burma's two 
great, unforgettable singles from the first part of their career. Academy Fight Song, and that's when I reach for my revolver. Some people who may not know this band might have stumbled between us playing Nancy Reagan's Head and you saying R.E.M., Blur, and Moby. Uh... What's the connection? Well, all of those artists covered Mission of Burma. Obviously, there's a heck of a lot of noisier, more abrasive underground rock that's also drawn from Burma. But what did R.E.M. and Moby see? They saw melodies. They heard melodies. Mm-hmm. Clint Conley was always kind of viewed as the pop guy. And Roger Miller was the art guy. And Prescott was the drummer who got a couple of songwriting credits on each album and bashed away. I think on this album, they're all really inspiring each other to bigger and better and better and better and better. They share lead vocal duties, they share songwriting duties, and they still have that razor-sharp, very college-educated wit. You know, they had a song back in the day about Max Ernst, the Mm -hmm. surrealist painter, and now they have a song called Donna Sumeria, (laughs) which not only is kind of doing a Dadaist look at the Middle East and the tensions there, but it's commenting on Donna Summer's single with Giorgio Morota, I Feel Love, doing that disco drone in the middle of it. The center of all of this isn't, you know, the noisy drums, the noisy guitar. It's the melodies. There's killer, killer melodies that keep you coming back to this record again and again. Yeah, I agree. You don't see many bands with uh, three songwriters and three pretty good ones. They all contribute at least one great track to this record. Um, you're right. There's this tension throughout all of Burma's best records between noise and melody. And I love the way they sort of swap positions. Sometimes they tangle, battle for supremacy. The battle is never resolved, but the tension of that battle is what makes this band so great. And still, I can't emphasize this enough, to see a band coming back with two strong records like this in its second incarnation, 20 years after it blew everyone's mind. I mean... Clearly, they broke up before their time through uh, they weren't tra- done. almost they tragic weren't done. reasons. I mean, the fact that Miller's hearing was being lost day to day was terrible. But we have to give props in two more directions. You know, Bob Weston mm-hmm. uh, not only is doing the tape loop manipulation ambient sound thing, but our colleague here on Chicago Public Radio, he works sometimes for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yeah. He produced the record, and he produced the last one, On, Off, On. Right. The original Burma records, Verses and Signals, Calls, and Marches, the original EP, great songs, Horrible production. Mm -hmm. Rick Hart owned the record label, so he got to produce the record. (laughs) Weston's production is amazing. People are going to listen to this and say, how did he get those sounds? The other thing is you said, who else has come back with this sort of credibility? I think Wire, initially in its career, Mm -hmm. really came back strong. I think the Buzzcocks, Burma has now outdone them because they've given us two masterpieces in the second round of their career, and neither Wire nor the Buzzcocks nor anybody else I can think of has really ever done that. On the Sound Opinions rating scale, buy it, burn it, trash it. This is a buy it record all the way. Absolutely. Buy two copies, one for the car, one for the home. If you have a boat, buy three copies. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Remember, we were shipwrecked together. 
It's the Saints with Stranded, and that can only mean one thing. The Desert Island Jukebox pick is upon us. And this week, it is Jim DeRogatis' turn to pop a quarter in the jukebox. Greg, I'm going to play a track that I doubt you've ever heard. I dug deep for this one. I wanted to kind of bring things back to the top of the show where we were talking about the Dixie Chicks working with Gary Lewis of the Jayhawks. You're a Jayhawks fan, but I bet you any money you've never heard this track. The Jayhawks, early in their career, before signing to American Recordings, backed up a Minneapolis artist named Lori Ray. Lori had one of those careers, which is sort of a (laughs) non-career, you know, that never really went anywhere. Uh, You know, much loved in the Twin Cities, and she did some touring. She's put out a a couple of records. They were all great. And as a testament to the depth of her talent that she would get people like Steve Bjorklund, who was in that band Breaking Circus, to make records with her, or Ed Ackerson, who went on to the 27 Various and Polara, and the Jayhawks just came by. They so loved Lori Ray. They said, We'll be your backing band. They recorded an EP together called Introducing Lori Ray. It was half the 27 Various and half the Jayhawks. The track I'm going to play is a little deeper still. It's from a, a 2001 compilation disc that Lori put out called History, H-I-S-S-T-O-R-Y, which rounds up stuff that she's done throughout her career. Lori had a great great, great, and still has. She performs now. She doesn't live in the Twin Cities anymore. She went back to her native Lawrence, Kansas. Has a great country sweet voice. You know, Natalie Maine's a great singer. The two sisters back up Natalie just fine. I don't think any of them could sing as well as Lori Ray. Wow. Because what Lori added to that kind of country plaintiveness was a brash pop sensibility circa the early 60s, like Lulu to Sir With Love or Shirley Basie. This history record has a cover of her doing Diamonds Are Forever, running into You Only Live Twice, but the song I'm going to play is an earlier tune called True Love in a Day. So you've got Gary Lewis, who just, you know, was hanging out with the Dixie Chicks, playing on their record, playing on this, along with Mark Perlman, the Jayhawks bassist, and uh, Mark Olson. This is before the <laughs> Olson and Lewis fell out, obviously. It might have even been just around the same time as the first Twin Tone record. I bet Jayhawks fans, who are an obsessive lot, I bet even they don't know this song, but I think it deserves to be heard because Lori always did the heartbreak song very, very well, much like our own Nico <laughs> Case from Chicago. And especially when the Jayhawks back her up, you're going to hear some incredible slide guitar happening underneath her. This is a song called True Love in a Day by Lori Ray with the Jayhawks on Sound Opinions. We walked along
True Love in a Day from Lori Ray. A uh, fine selection, Jim. You're right. I have not heard of this artist before. Ah, I, I like uh, it when I can turn you on to stuff. We have some thank yous to say on the way out, Mr. Cop. But first, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are doing uh, Rock and Espanol with Ernesto Lechner, one of the leading authorities on the subject. And uh, I'm pretty psyched about it because the movement is coming full circle. We went from basically no rock music of interest coming out of the Latin American countries uh, 20 years ago to now where I think the most exciting rock music in the world is being created in Latin America, and we've got just the guy to tell us why. Plus, we're going to do the new albums by Elvis Costello, who's working with Alan Toussaint and rappers The Coup. Thank you on the way out to our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, our managing producer and director, Todd Bachman, Producer Matt Fingers Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn are our beloved associate producers. We get legal help from Dino Armiros. We get technical help from Joe Dassault. And Jim Russell, or as we like to call him, Mac Daddy, at American Public Media is helping us go bad and nationwide. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.